0: Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. There's something powerful about anchoring your life to who God is. You need a truth bigger than you. We need something bigger than ourselves, and that is God, that's Jesus. I want to encourage you. There's a reason why, you know, we always say to get your nose in the book. Podcasts are great they are, reading books written by other people that's phenomenal, it's good stuff but know this, none of that takes the place of you opening the word and discovering the words of God for yourself get your nose in the book, allow yourself to be grounded by what the Bible says we have a lot of people that, that base their understanding of God by what other people think God means get your nose in the book, know what you believe anchor yourself to who God is it'll change your life it will Hi, I'm TJ. It's good to see everybody. Welcome to everybody online. Um, this whole month we've been doing this, real, this, this, this this theme called the elements. The building blocks of your faith. This is meat and potatoes. This is not the fluff. This, there's nothing moosy about this. This is not ice cream. That's later. This is, these are the things that you need to grow a healthy and a strong faith. How many of you know that in this world today, you need things to anchor your soul? Yes. You do. So he's talked about the word. We talked about the importance of the Word. We're a church that believes in the Word of God. We stand on the Word. We base everything we do from the Word. And then we talked about other things, like prayer. Prayer is the way that you communicate with God. And then last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the part of the Trinity that, that lives inside of us and shapes us and molds us and helps us to be everything that God created us to be. And then the Holy Spirit empowers us so that we can be His witness expand the kingdom, and push back darkness. That's why you suck air, beloved. Do you know that? The church is a people, not a place. The church is not this building. The church beats in your chest. So God did for us. So today we take another step. We talk about the most divisive thing in the church today. Every church struggles with it. I, my, my inbox, my email box is full over all of your suggestions. It's like I am a human Spotify. Today we talk about worship. What is worship? What isn't worship? You know, I, there are some people in our church that believe that worship is not worship unless the songs are sung with a country twang. You know, not stand by your Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? People think, well, you know, unless you have that, it's not worship. Some people believe unless you have an organ, it's not worship. Some people believe unless you have an electric guitar, it's not worship. You know, here's something crazy. Now, they're even, I was in the youth, you know, about a month ago, and they did a worship song, and, and you know how they did one of the things? They rapped it. Yeah, boy, right? Was I rapping? Was I rapping right now? was <laughs> it? do you see that? Did you see that? Did you get that on video? What is worship? Well, we're going to talk about that today. Because it's important to understand why God gave us that beautiful gift in the church. It starts today with this. Value. If you break down the word worship, it actually means to ascribe worth to something. Worth ship. I give worth to this. It starts with value. All of us value different things. I remember years ago I was watching TV and I came across this this TV show that just, for whatever reason, it put a hook in my heart. It's called the Antique... Roadshow. (laughs) Did you ever see that? How many of you have never seen that? It's a PBS thing. This is a show where people find things at like yard sales or the Goodwill. They spend a quarter on this chair and then they take it to this guy. And this guy goes, Well, you spent a quarter on this chair, but this chair is really worth $450,000. That's like a secret dream of mine (laughs) to find something like that and they'd be like, Oh, look what I did. So I'm always looking for things. I'm always looking for bargains. I'm on the Facebook marketplace. I think I'm going to be the one that finds that thing that everybody else missed. So far, it's only happened a few times. Not enough for me to still not be here with you today. If it happens and I find something worth a million dollars, Trinity, we had a good run. That's all I'm going to say. We had a good run. So in our church in Denver, we were right next to a Goodwill. And every once in a while to pass the time, I would walk through the Goodwill. I would go to the Goodwill looking for a treasure like that that I could celebrate with the world. And it was Christmas time, and I like going in there at Christmas time because I am a Kris Kringle, so you're looking for decorations and stuff. And I go in one day, and my eyes are drawn to a top shelf. It was almost like a movie where a light shone on this top shelf. And, and there on the top shelf was a train set. Now Christmas time, I'm not a, like a train aficionado, I don't have trains at my house now, but at Christmas time we put up trains. Now, we don't put up the N-gauge fake trains, we don't do HO-gauge trains, we do the granddaddy of them all, the O-gauge, the big ones. So I'm always looking for trains, and lo and behold, I see a set on top of a shelf, and the title is, is, is unremar- It's just remarkable, you can't, you can't, it's unforgettable if you collect trains. It's called the Polar Express Train. I get closer to it and I realize that this train is sealed in the box, it's never been opened. Now these trains, you can't get them now, barely you can get them now, but it's hard to find them. They go for about $400 a piece. So I go up there and I look in the little corner, I pull it down and on the corner is a little tag that says nineteen ninety nine. dollars exactly. I grab it, I put it close to my chest and then I, I put it in the cart. Have you ever noticed when you find something that you think is valuable, you automatically go into protection mode? And you think everybody in the store is out to get what you have. So I, I, I get the stuff. I go, i got to get this out of here quick. So I get in my little cart, and as I'm not making this up. As I'm making my way to the front of the checkout lines, a woman comes and she T-bones my cart. And she goes, hey. I said, hey. She goes, I noticed you have a train in your cart. I said, I do. She goes, I need that train. Now, I'm a very laid-back, easygoing guy. Most of the time, if you need something from me, I just give it to you, and I don't even care about it but not this day, (laughs) not this goodwill, not this train. I said, ma'am, I I found that it's mine. She goes, no, no, you didn't buy it yet. It's not yours. Give me the train. And I said, no, in the name of Jesus, get away from me. And I pushed my cart through her little blockade. I got to the front. I paid for my train, 1999. I ran across to the church, and I locked it in there because it was safe in there. I peeked out the windows to see if she was stalking around. We still have the train to this day. We put it up every year. And every time we put it up every year, I think of my grand experience and the conquest that I had at the Goodwill that day. What do you value? All of us value something. All of us have our things, don't we? For some of you, you value great food. You're a foodie. For some of you, Sterling's waving his hand in the back. We could tell that, Sterling, because you're a big guy. Some of you will drive an hour to have a great meal. That's not a small price to pay for a great meal, right? You're a foodie. It's just what you do. For others of you, you have your other things. Some of you are golfers. You've invested thousands of dollars into your terrible golf game. It's valuable to you, and it's valuable to us, too, because we get to watch you play terrible golf. (laughs) Some of you invest in cars. You know, we got Ken and Esther. Ken's got a beautiful Jaguar SUV. So I told him one day, I said, Ken, your car is absolutely amazing. He says, I wanted to get an amazing car, because, Pastor, this is my last car. I said, you know what? Dump the tank if that's what you want to do. Some of you value clothes. Some of you value houses. Some of you value exotic places. You travel all over the place. All of us value something, and this is the weird thing about value. Whatever you put worth into tends to be the center of your life. Your life starts to orient itself around what we give worth to. All of us do this. All of us do. Now giving worth is the crux of what true worship is. Now worship is an essential part in the life of a believer, So if all of us give worth to something, and it's a big part of who we are as believers, what is worship? Well, if you look up, if you go to dictionary.com, the definition of worship is this, to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. Those things that you lift up, those things that you value, those things that are important to us, you know, they, 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 they capture our gaze. They become the center of who we are. So what does this practically look like in the life of a believer? What does giving worth to God look like in the life of a believer? If you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4, verse 20. Again, if you have our app, you get all my notes. If you're on the YouVersion of the Bible, look for live events. You'll see Trinity, you get all my notes. It's a beautiful story of an encounter that Jesus had with this Samaritan woman. He meets her at a well, and their conversation starts out talking about a drink of water. And it ends up talking about what eternal life and worship is. It's a beautiful story. Now, the, the Jews and the Samaritans, they both worshiped God, but the Jews understood who they worshiped. The Samaritans had this heart of worship. They didn't know how to do it. They just had a heart to do this thing. And Jesus addressed both things that we need to be fully devoted worshipers. Verse 420 says this, "...and our ancestors worshiped on this mountain." But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Verse 21. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you'll worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming it has come now, uh, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Verse 25, I love this. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Don't you love it when God injects himself into your situations? Whether it's a storm, hey, peace be still. Whether it's provision, I got this. Even when he takes you on a journey that makes you uncomfortable, you know that God is not concerned with your comfort. He's concerned with your purpose and your destination. But every once in a while the road gets a little bumpy. And that's okay. The road can be bumpy as long as God is with us, right? As long as you're holding my hand, Lord, it's going to be okay. So, Jesus breaks down worship into these two elements. True worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? In worship, if you want to have true worship, you have to have both of these elements. You have to have spirit, your heart, and truth, your head, your understanding. Worship must engage your emotions, and worship must engage your intellect. Why? Because you need both in order to be healthy and balanced as a believer. Truth without emotion produces dead religion and people that are so stuck where they are they can never be moved into the new things of god do you know anybody like that their favorite song is i shall not be moved you know we're going to paint the walls of the church from white to light tan i shall not be i shall not be moved white i shall and they don't want to change it you know what we're going to add a song to the song list but we always do three but now we're doing four I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Do you know anybody like that? If you don't know anybody like that, the chances are pretty good you're that person. (laughs) And we're going to get you t-shirts and hand them out. They shall not be moved because there's no, there's no heart into it. It's all mechanical things. Now emotion without truth produces flaky, ungrounded, undisciplined people who cave when the storms of life come. You can't have that either, beloved. I just don't feel it today, so I'm just not gonna worship, because I don't feel it. Have you ever come to the church and not felt it? Well, I have a word for you. Suck it up, buttercup. Put on your big boy and your big girl pants. Lift your hands and worship. What What did David say? Why is my soul so downcast? Put your hope in God, David. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Paul, that was totally off the, it was not in the script, I'm sorry. Paul's just like, whatever. Let me finish my pretzel. (laughs) Whatever, right? True worship for us comes from people who are fully engaged with their spirit, their emotions, and people that recognize and understand and are rooted in the Word of God and in sound doctrine. You need a balance. You need both, beloved. So this passage focuses on both aspects of worship that need to be in the life of every believer. You need both of these, if you want to stay on track and worship God the way he wants to be worshiped in spirit and in truth and I think for us and our purposes to make it a little simpler today you can even boil both of those things down to two things relationship and revelation we worship God through relationship the invitation he gives us and then through revelation what he reveals to us who he is we find out who he is in his word And you engage with God relationally through the Spirit coming alive inside of you. Let's start with relationship. As believers, know this. God does not need your worship. Whether you worship God or not does not change the fact that God is God. If you choose today to not worship God, He is totally fine with that because all of the rest of His creation will worship Him. The trees will worship God. The rocks will worship God. The Rocky Mountains, the oceans, the stars. We're the pl- you know something crazy. As we get smarter as humans, do you know this? You know, when we, when we have these amazing telescopes, these radio telescopes, we send them off into space and they can peek into areas, they can peek into other galaxies. Do you know that? This is something that we discovered as humans when it comes to, to these distant stars and these distant things. All of these, these things, these, these heavenly bodies, emanate a sound. Do you know that? The stars emanate a sound. The planets emanate a sound. When you look at creation, all of creation emanates a sound. Your molecules inside of you right now, do you know that they emanate a sound? Does it make better sense... Now, when God says, all of creation will worship me, the rocks will worship me. So understand this, God does not need your worship. But he invites us to worship him. And we don't just worship him for, you know, being the God that created the stars. We don't just worship him for how powerful he is and all the things that he does. We have the invitation to worship him for who he is to us as well. We know the creator of the universe on a personal and an intimate level. There's a difference in worshiping about God and worshiping a God that you know. There's an intimacy, there's a depth. So how do you know God in this way? It's the spirit that he's placed inside of us. The Holy Spirit that awakens our spirit, that connects with him. When you become a fully devoted follower of Christ, the Bible tells us this. God deposits in your heart the Holy Spirit. God himself lives inside of you, and he awakens your spirit man, and he starts to shift things. He changes you. The Holy Spirit starts to live inside of you. We talked about this last week. The very nature of who you are starts to shift, and it starts to change. You become a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. It always cracks me up when we talk about, you know, people get nervous about, well, we've taken God out of schools. We've taken God out of government. we take No, you haven't. God doesn't rest in a building. He rests in you. Now, his presence can dwell here, but he's not stuck in this building. He's not a genie in a bottle. He lives in you. Fully devoted followers of Christ, on fire, filled with the Holy Spirit teenagers, when they walk into their school, all of heaven's armies walk with them. Amen. Don't be afraid. You think God's nervous about that stuff? No, no, no. He's not nervous about that. You know, he, likes to, we lo- he loves to put light into dark places, and that's Okay. So the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. 1 Corinthians 6.19 puts it this way. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. So the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Have you ever wondered, what is the Spirit doing there? Does he look through the cupboards? Every time I read this, I think of like, did you remember, was it the Geico commercial where the ants would come over? You know, and they'd look through the thing, expired, expired. Is that what God does for you? No, no, get that out of here. No, we don't want to do that anymore. What is he doing to you? Well, he does two things to you, in you pr- primarily. I mentioned it earlier. First, he infuses you with the DNA of, of who he is. He changes your character. He takes you in another step of what it means to be an image bearer. You're not just image in creation, but your image then now And as God comes and he redeems you. And then the spirit inside of you, his spirit, calls out to him and brings you close. Helps us to communicate. The spirit inside of you becomes the connection point to the Father. That's how we saw it operate in Jesus, and that's how it operates in you now. It's the Holy Spirit inside of you that starts to break down the walls of all of the things that keep you from him and keep you distant from him. It's the spirit inside of you, the Holy Spirit, that calls out to God that relationally brings us close. It's that connection point. That's what the Spirit does. Paul put it this way in Galatians 4. He says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, he sent the Spirit, big S, of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you're his child, he has made you also an heir. Who calls out to God from within you? The spirit, the deposited spirit in you. That's a relational connection that we experience in worship. Psalm 42.7 puts it this way. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all of your waves and breakers have swept over me. Something incredible happens When the Holy Spirit is allowed to be active and vital in your life. He doesn't just look around your heart like a nosy landlord. Looking for failures. He doesn't walk around like a a nun with a ruler. Looking for those things that are just driving crazy. Just wrapping you across your spiritual knuckles. That's not the heart of God. The Spirit inside of us is the catalyst that draws us into deeper relationship with the Father. That is probably one of the most powerful aspects of worship. Worshiping him with spirit and in truth. So how do you experience that connection? Well you experience them through, through prayer, you experience that connection through, through praise and through worship. This is why for us at TCC worship is more than just the 30 minute warm up before the talk. Worship is a powerful experience It's intimate, and it's presence-driven. We don't just sing songs. When we come together and we worship, we do that to encounter a living God. God can do more in a worship service in a moment through the power of His Spirit, through a song, through an intimate moment than I could do with thousands and thousands of words. He can. That's why we worship. When we're drawn to worship this way, you just can't help but to just be brought in, to be lost in his presence, to be awestruck, to be enveloped by who he is. He brings us close, and then nothing else matters. Spirit-led worship moves us beyond just the practical knowledge of who God is. We actually know him personally, and we're moved to respond. That's what it means to worship him with your heart. You don't worry about what other people think. He draws you in and you just encounter him. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you're so connected to a moment you just responded? Maybe it's like, you know, a football game and the Eagles scored. You just, ah! you just go crazy. You're watching your son's t-ball game. And, you know, that's t- we used to call t-ball amoeba ball because these little kids would move like an amoeba and they'd run from place to place. And your kid, you know, somehow hits the ball and he comes around all the play, you know, the bases, kids are running into each it. other. It's like a human cartoon. And they get home, and you can't help as a parent to scream, that's my boy! You know, have you ever had those moments? I remember a few years ago, a bunch of us guys at our church in Denver, we went out to see. I'm a movie guy. I don't like to watch like documentaries. Well, I, I can watch documentaries. I like movies that talk about fake things. Because I, I have enough reality to deal with. I don't need more reality at the movie theater. I want you to take me somewhere. We're going to Candyland. Yay, take me somewhere. So we were there, and I think we were watching one of the Batman movies or something. And we're at this moment, and I'm there, my buddy Mark was there, and we're sitting next to each other. And it's a cool scene. And in this one scene in this movie, we're sitting like right in the front. It was like, ridiculous. it was the closest one before you don't get like a headache. And this truck blows up. Not as a blow up, but it flips over on its front. It lands, in this thud, and it's like incredible. We're like, whoa. And Mark's sitting next to me. Mark goes,
1: Yeah!
0: But he doesn't stop there. He stands up. We're in a movie theater. And he goes,
1: Yeah!
0: Now, if you're in a movie theater or somebody like that, the first thing you're like is, did you take your medications? He did not, obviously. There was something wrong. It was a moment. We've all had those moments. Haven't you had those moments? Maybe for you it's a Hallmark movie let me just let you know a little secret hallmark has one storyline that first guy she meets that she doesn't like that's the dude she's going to end up with can i get an amen? amen so there i just i ruined it for every woman in here i get it and then you're crying at the end but he's he's a banker i love him all of us have our moments you have those things that pull you in If you get, how do you know? Maybe, maybe not. If you can get sucked into an environment, at a football game or a baseball game or a soccer game, and release your emotions, why does that not happen at church? Something way more eternal and invested. I remember the first time I was, uh, I encountered this. Some of you know my story. I gave my heart to Christ. Somebody invited me to church. I went to church. A few months later, I'd end up going to my first youth convention. Pendell, it was at Hershey. We're at the Hershey Arena, and there's thousands of kids there. And I remember observing things. This was all kind of new to me. And in that, that convention, there's worship going on, and I see kids bouncing up and down. they're, they're crying, they're shouting, they're shouting Jesus' name, they're dancing all over the place. And I remember sitting in the back going, "What is going on?" Because they didn't do that at the Greek Orthodox Church. I know it's shocking. Now, we had better food, but that's another story. And I remember sitting back there, and and, and I don't even remember who the speaker was, but I remember watching this stuff, and I remember thinking in my head, what on earth could possibly make people act like this? And I think for me, this is the first time I felt the Holy Spirit actually spoke to me. He answered me just like right away. He responded, and he said this, they respond to me this way because they hold nothing back from me. And he said this, you know, I have given all of myself to them and they have given all of themselves to me. And then I heard this question TJ, do I have all of you? Now, how many of you know when God asks you a question, he already knows the answer? He's helping us to understand what the answer is. And then I remember him just impressing my heart, saying, TJ, will you give me all of you? It was at that moment I was completely overwhelmed. I started to cry. Tears started to go, flow down my face. And I remember speaking out saying, yes, Lord, you have all of me. And then the tears moved into ugly crying. Right? And you're like, And and I'm on my face, I'm on my knees. And this, this flow of emotion starts to come out of me. Never had that experience ever before. And I just wept. I'm not sure what God did to me that day, but I know this. I've never been the same since that time. Never. And I try my best to make sure that especially in worship settings I hold nothing back from God in my I did nothing back to God in my life. In our worship settings I do my best to be yielded to the spirit. And I don't care what anybody else thinks. I can tell you this, if you come to God in worship and you give him everything, you'll never be disappointed. You won't. And you'll never be bored in worship either. Some of you are bored in worship because you don't give him everything. You give him a piece of you. Don't give him a piece. Give him everything. You do that, God will take you on the journey. I remember one time I was uh, in Illinois. We, uh, we bought a piece of land uh, as a church at about 15 acres. I was worship arts pastor there and a teaching pastor. And as we are there, just one day I just felt like God said, I want you to take your guitar and I just want you to, to pray and sing over the land. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. We can do this. So I drive out there. Our piece of land was in the middle of a pretty busy area. I got my little acoustic guitar out. I just start walking. I start singing. I start praising. Well, as I start praising and singing, I'm just getting a little bit more excited. Getting a little louder. So I'm out there, and as I'm singing, I'm, I'm, it's getting louder, and everything's going great, and everything's wonderful. And, and my voice was, was so inspired that it started to reach the ears of the angels and apparently the Bowling Book Police Department. And I remember my eyes were shut up going, ah, and I heard this, you know, some of you are familiar with this sound, woo, and I went, it's the police, or for some of you, it's the popo, right? You know who that is, right? And they came up and they said, sir, w- what are you doing? I said, well, I, I'm just worshiping Jesus. And they said, sure, sure, sure. And, and they said, well, you know, are you allowed to be here? So, well, officer, I'm a pastor. And they said, sure, sure, sure. So it was a really cool experience, I got to talk to the officers, I got to blow in this little machine, (laughs) it was really cool, (laughs) cool. I made some new friends, (laughs) made a phone call, and everything was fine. Worship worship will take you on adventures that you may not even be aware of, that personal relationship to Jesus, it's incredible. Is your worship boring? Is it something that you just endure? If that's the case, then maybe you do not have a personal connection to God through worship. It has to be relational. There's a relational aspect to your connection with him. Now, speaking of connecting with God, God has created us fearfully and wonderfully, and none of us are the same. We're like one of those boxes of chocolates that you just don't know what's inside of each one of us. You know, oh, I thought that was caramel. It's one of the weird ones. Why would they put that in there? Now, that means this, because God has created us all uniquely, then the the way we connect with him can also be unique. Now, worship, again, is a battleground for some churches. The style, the music, and all these things. So I thought we were going to do something crazy today and just hang with me on this. We're going to talk real quick. We're just going to go through a list of biblical expressions of worship. These are expressions of worship that are in the Bible. I'm going to tell you right now, not all of you will, will worship God this way. That's not the point. The point is this: to understand that even though God may not call you to worship this way, because somebody else does, doesn't mean that it's wrong. So this is maturity, meat and potatoes, big boy, big girl stuff. Are you ready? Everybody, oh, you're not ready. Everybody, say, Pastor TJ, say it again, Pastor TJ, say we love you, because Jesus said we had to. All right, we're set. Here we go. These are ways that you can worship God biblically. Speaking. You can speak your worship to God when you have people shout you down, amen, hallelujah. That, you know that that's a biblical form of worship. It is. Psalm 34 one says this, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. If speaking God's praise makes you nervous, I have one expression that I want you to grasp deeply. <laughs> Get over it. It's okay. Nobody's going to die. Just because it's different, it's okay. Singing is a form of worship. Now, it's one of the things that we primarily do. How many of you can sing? I mean, you know you have a decent voice, and you secretly want to be on American Idol. Right? How many of you can't sing at all? I encourage you to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, louder at home than here. Now just get down. <laughs> sing it out. You don't have to be skilled to do this. Just sing it, right? Psalm 47, 6 says this. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. Are you getting the theme? Sing. Then there's another form of worship, spiritual songs. What are spiritual songs? That's sometimes when the worship goes off-road. Have you ever heard the girls or the guys sing, and they're singing something that's not on the screen, and you're like, oh, dear, what do I do? Where do I go? It's like having GPS and the GPS craps out. Where do I go? Those are spiritual songs. Sometimes they're in a different language. Sometimes it's just a different phrase. Well, is that in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. It is. Ephesians 5.18 says this, Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Shouting. Shouting is a form of worship. Beloved, if we're comfortable shouting at our son's soccer game and our daughter's softball game, why would we be nervous to shout down the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Right? Right? Don't be nervous. Psalm 27.6 says this. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. And I will sing and make music to the Lord. Kneeling. Kneeling is another expression of worship. God loves it when we worship him with our body, with all of us. It's okay to be overwhelmed by God's presence and to kneel. I had this happen. This is the strangest thing. I was here probably a couple months Somebody told me this later. They said, uh, Pastor, we got to talk to you about something. I said, what? They said, well, um, we lost a family. I said, why? They said, because they saw you on your knees. And they're like, our pastor should never be on their knees. I understand it, And I, again, I don't feel bad. It's, it's their, their groove. It's a biblical expression of worship. If God puts it in your heart to bow before him to get low, you get low. Just follow what he wants you to do. Psalm 95, 6 says this. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Standing. Standing is a part of worship. How many of you have ever given a standing ovation? If you're going to give a standing ovation to that kid who won the science fair for making the peanut eliminator, you can stand and give God his due praise, right? The peanut eliminator is pretty amazing, but so is Saturn, Right? Habakkuk 3.2 says this, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Here's a big one. You ready for this? Take a deep breath. Let it out. Dancing. Dancing is an expression of worship. How many of you can actually dance? How many of you couldn't dance if they were going to give you a million dollars? Can I put my left foot up? I can't dance at all. But you can, again... There are some people that can and that's an expression of worship to them. I had um, a, a worship guy told me this one time, Brian Dorcason, He wrote a bunch of songs for the vineyard. He said his worship, his music is dance for the ears. Dance is worship for the eyes. Just because you can't do it doesn't mean that God won't flow through others to do it. Now, for some of you, God fills you so fully that he, it, it's an expression of worship. Is what we do. This is what uh, Psalm 149 says. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with the timbrel and the harp banners banners are a form of worship do you know that it's in the bible now i have this rule with banners if i'm worshiping next and you have a banner do not hit me in the lips with your banner there's a thing called banner etiquette don't you know don't like a samurai sword don't whip it around know your surroundings we tell this to our kids i'm telling it to you now know your surroundings don't hurt anybody Psalm 20, 4-5 says this, May he give you the desire of your heart and make all of your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. Lift them up. Praise him. Clapping. Clapping is a form of worship. Do you know that? How many of you have no rhythm? You can still clap. Now, if you can clap on beat, the worship team would feel much better about that. And I just got to say this, and don't take this the wrong way. You have to love me. You said you did just because you think you can clap does not mean that you're an expert on the tambourine. It just doesn't. I mean, and, and I know you want to be, but some of you are not. Now, I think it's, it's beautiful, but it bugs these guys to death. I had a worship leader in Denver that we had one lady, and she thought she was, she was proficient in the tambourine, and she was terrible. And I thought it was awesome. So every week, he would hide the tambourine, and every week, I would find it, and put it on her seat. And he was like, how does this keep happening? And I'd look at him, and I'd lie and go, I don't know. <laughs> and he'd get in there playing, and she ah! She couldn't sing either. It was really rough. It was awesome. It was really awesome. It was great. Forty-seven-one says this, Psalm 47.1, clap your hands, all you nations, shout for joy. Shout to God for, with cries of joy. Lifting your hands is a form of worship. You know, it's a beautiful expression for us of surrender, but more than that, it's in the word. Psalm sixty-three, four says this: "I will praise you as long as I live, and your name, uh, and in your name I will lift up my hands." Playing instruments is a form of worship. When you see these guys and these girls up here playing, they're worshiping God with their instruments. Psalm thirty-three, two through three says this: "Praise the Lord with the harp, uh, make music to Him on the ten-string lyre, sing to Him a new song, play skillfully and shout for joy on the electric guitar." That's not in there. It might be in the Message Bible. It's not. It's not in here. And then there's another verse here. This is interesting. Psalm 154 says this. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the string and the pipe. What is the timbrel? Does anybody know? It's a drum. We went through a little thing in our churches 30, 40 years ago where drums were bad. Well, the devil, because we know that the hell, hell is filled with, with, with pearl drum sets. We have video evidence. We've seen it all. You know, the devil wears red and there's pearl drum sets everywhere. You know? And that candy that pulls the fillings out of your mouth. They're there too. It's a biblical expression of worship. Worship God with instruments. And then this is interesting. You'll notice, like if you look to the corners here, we have beautiful artists displayed. We have amazing artists here at TCC. And you'll notice this too. When do they paint? During worship. Why? Because it's an act of worship. Do you know that God puts special skills and abilities in all of us? And when you, you give those things back to God, it's a form of worship. You know my most favorite worshiper in this entire house, you know who that is? David Deal. Do you know why? He worships with the culinary arts. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. Dave stays up at night looking for creative ways to infuse his ministry with, with food. He stays up and he goes, how, how can I do this in order to bless somebody with this? He does. All of us have those things. So when you look at the arts, this is cool. This is from Exodus 35. And this is, this is when they're talking about, when, when God is, is talking to them about putting together this tent of worship for God. What this thing looks like. Listen to this language. It says, And Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezaliel, that's the closest you get, guys, son of Uri, Son of Her to the tribe of Judah, and has filled him with the spirit of God. Big S, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for working gold, silver, bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all types of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and and Olab, uh, the son of uh, whatever his name is, that guy with an A. And the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with the skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers, and blue and purple and scar- scarlet yarn, and fine linen and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. God will use your artistic bents to glorify himself if you lay them down as an act of worship. He will. He will, he will. You know, we got tech crews in the back. Paul sits at the desk and he mixes the sound. He's a part of worship. Mindy's back there doing the backgrounds. It's a part of worship. Dawson is back there and he paints with lights. He sets an environment with lights. He doesn't have paint brushes and paints. He paints with light. And he worships. All of these are expressions of worship. All of this can be spirit-led worship. If you're yielded to who he is and if you allow the spirit to be engaged with your heart relationally. God wants your heart. He wants you to worship with your emotions. That is spirit. And the second part is this. Worship isn't just relationship. It's also revelation. Now what is revelation? Are we talking about the last book and those horses that are scary? No. We're not talking about that. For us, revelation is this, the pure understanding of who God really is. When he reveals himself to you, You understand who he really is. How does God primarily reveal himself to us? Through his his word. When you read the Bible, you saw the video, 95 names of God. you know where those names came from? The word. He reveals himself to us through the word. So our worship must possess the truth of who God really is, not who we think he is. It's who he really is. So for us, the relational part is spirit. It's our feeling. And the revelation part is truth. It's who God really is. Worship cannot just be about your emotions. Our worship has to be grounded in truth. But not our own personal truth. The understanding that God is who he says he is. So when you are spirit-led... You're grounded in the Word. Why? Because the Holy Spirit always points to the truth of who God is. John 16, 13 says this When the Spirit of truth comes, He'll guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but He'll tell you what He's heard, and He'll tell you about the future. He'll bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. So, one of the reasons we sing uh, worship here at church is to affirm the truth of God being who He says that He is. He reveals Himself to us through His Word. So together we sing, we declare you know, who God is, whether you understand it or experience it, it doesn't really matter to start. When you declare God's truth, we worship. Now sometimes you have to declare God's truth and understand who he is before you fully realize it. Have you ever had those moments where you, you have to just believe he is who he says he is and you might be in the middle of a situation that it doesn't feel that way. We call that faith. they steps of faith. Know this. Even when you don't feel it, the revelation of who God really is always should trump your emotions. Always. It has to. You hold on to all those truths, especially when your life is a little bit murky. I remember, and I'm not going to go into the whole story, but I told you when we left Wisconsin, You know, God gave us a clear, son, it's time to step to the side. But for the first time in my life, he didn't give me a destination. He just said, I need you to move over. How many of you know that it's a little scary to not know where you're going? You know, if it's just me and I live in a van down by the river, that's fine. But I have children, I have dependents, I have creatures even that depend on me. Dogs, things like that. And I remember all through that process, I'd pray every day, Lord, okay, where are we going? I remember God would settle my heart. He'd say, son, we got this. And he settled my heart with a scripture that he wanted me to anchor to every day. This is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It said this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he'll show you which path to take. But this is the weird thing. I memorized this scripture not from just reading it out of the book, but when we were in the city of Chicago, we did a VBS one year. And one of the VBS songs was this scripture. So every morning as I'd read, I would sing this like we did with the kids in the VBS. And it went something like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Because if you're doing VBS, you've got to move a little bit. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, and there's hand motions that I'm not going to do. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path, your path straight. I sang that song for like three and a half months every day. And I'm like, God, but I I don't feel it. And God said, TJ, when it's time, I will make your pastorate. You'll know it. You'll recognize it. Because I was afraid I was going to miss it. Have you ever been afraid you are going to miss it? So I remember as we went through the process, we had all these churches call us. And there was one church in Florida that called us. And I was like 90% positive is where we were supposed to go. But there was that 10%. And I didn't have that revelation moment. I remember one day, it was a rainy day. I get a phone call from the superintendent here. He says, I'd like to talk to you about a little church in Delaware. And I was going to say, I, and the Holy Spirit said, shut your mouth. Which for a Greek is a big deal. He said, listen. And I listened, and as he talked, I felt the Holy Spirit say, that's it, don't miss it. Before I even got here. I didn't tell them that here, because you say that when you come in. They're like, yeah, we don't want this guy. Sometimes you have to trust and you sing about who he is and what he's going to do for you, even though you don't see it and feel it know it yet. So you have to anchor yourself to the word, the revelation of what it says, even in worship. Worship does that for us. It moves beyond your feelings and your emotions. Sometimes you just have to say, devil, I know it looks bad. I know it smells bad. I know it tastes bad. I'm going to stand. It's just what I'm going to do. Sorry, buddy. Sorry, Charlie. We're just going to get this done. And you have to be that steadfast. Even when you don't see it, you declare it. God's word is true, and he is who he says that he is. Now, one of the, I think one of the best modern examples of that now is the song we sing called Waymaker. It has all of those elements, the elements of who God is, who we are, and us understanding, even though we don't kind of feel it and sense it, it's not grooving for us, still, I'm going to believe you're working because you said you are this is what I want to do we'll take a breath real quick shut your eyes for a second I don't know if you're going through something right now I asked Ty to come up and I asked him just to sing this now if you know the words you can sing along with it if you don't you just listen and allow the revelation of who God is and him saying what he says he's going to do in your life to penetrate your heart and to ground you it's what his truth does in worship no fear There's no fear. It's faith in knowing who he is. Listen. How did you feel as you sung those words, as you heard those words? Could you feel yourself getting grounded? Could you feel your faith rising? It's the Spirit inside of you, connecting with the Spirit of God. It's worship. It's worship in spirit. It's worship in truth. God, I give you all of me, every part of me, and Lord. I'm going to stand on who you are, regardless of what I see. This is what I want you to do. Here's your charge. We're going to take communion in a second. Here's your charge. I want you to talk to the Holy Spirit and ask him about worship. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm giving you all of me. What are you asking of me? Whatever he tells you to do, walk with him. Press in and do it. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC,
1: a home for you.